Lisa Lee here, and I'm so excited to be sharing today's interview round episode with you. In these episodes, our brilliant lineup of guests will include healthcare practitioners, voice educators, and other professionals who will share their stories, knowledge, and experiences within their specialized fields to empower you to live your best life. Whether you're a member of the voice community or beyond, your voice is your unique gift. It's time now to share your gift with others, develop a positive mindset and become the best and most authentic version of yourself to create greater impact. Ultimately, you can take charge. It's time for you to live your best life. It's time now for A Voice and Beyond. So, without further ado, let's go to today's episode. In July, A Voice and Beyond embarked on a Beyond adventure on a cruise ship around the Mediterranean. But it wasn't all play for me as I had the pleasure of doing something that I hadn't done before and that was to interview two guests simultaneously in an in-person situation. Kayla Saunders and Dominique Petit-Frere were two of the production cast singers performing on board Celebrity Beyond and they sat down and shared their own personal experiences as singers working within the cruising industry in a tell-all interview. They explained the audition process, the grueling rehearsal schedule, their work demands and performance expectations. We also discussed how Kayla and Dom both maintain good vocal health, but most importantly, how they take care of their physical, mental and emotional health and well-being while living on board a cruise ship in a pressure cooker environment. Other important topics we delved into were how the cruising industry can better support its performers. For example, Having a vocology team on standby would be most beneficial in terms of healthcare for vocalists, but also how the cruising industry can do better at creating safe spaces around inclusivity, belonging, equity, and diversity. This is an eye opening interview, and I felt really privileged sitting in the company of both Kayla and Dom as they spoke so candidly about their personal experiences in an industry that can do better to support its performers. So without further ado, let's go to today's episode. Welcome to A Voice and Beyond. We have Dom and Kayla. And they are two of Celebrity Beyond's production cast singers. And as many of you who have been following me on social media will know, I've been on a Beyond adventure. Mm -hmm. And I've been calling it A Voice and Beyond is Going Beyond. And we literally are, we are in the dressing rooms backstage of the main theatre. And I'd like to welcome to the show Kayla and Dom. 
So, welcome! Hi! <laughs> and this is something we've never done before. We've never done a live interview where, I mean, always the guests are still alive, but <laughs> we're in the same room. Usually my guests are overseas and we're doing via Zoom, so this is something completely different. So I'm very excited. So I warned everybody before, hold on to your life jackets because <laughs> we, we have so much to share with you today as I've been following the pair of you around the ship for the last 10 nights and I've just been overwhelmed with the talent. Like you guys are both so incredible. So why don't we start with introducing yourself, especially you, Dom, because your name has like 500 words in it. <laughs> it's so bougie. <laughs> well. Yes. And, uh, and a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, how many contracts you've done with the company or other cruise ship companies. So let's hear a little bit about both of you. Okay, I will go first. My name is Kayla Saunders. I am originally from Delaware in the United States. Uh, this is my third contract. I've only worked with Celebrity Cruise Lines before. Um, what else did you <laughs> Okay. So yeah. what about your musical influences? And Yeah, so um, I grew up doing musical theater. Um, I went to Pace University and I studied musical theater. got a BFA in that musical theater. Um, and... Since working for Celebrity, I've kind of expanded my horizons, got us uh, more pop music, more rock music. Um, so I do a little bit of everything. <laughs> you surely do. I've seen you do a little bit of everything and, and do it all incredibly well. Thank you. Yes, so Dom, introduce yourself, please. Hi. Uh, so my name is uh, Dominique Allen Lopez Petit Frere. Um, the Lopez is my mom's side. Her family comes from Spain. Uh, the Petit Frere side is my dad's, obviously, but it's actually French for little brother. Um, and it's fitting for me because I'm the youngest of five. So um, grew up singing with my, br my brother just above me. Um, we were taught by my sister Erica. And then after a while, my mom kind of got hooked on having us sing for all her friends. My brother was very shy, but I kind of got smart, and I started charging my mom. I was like, I'll sing if you give me $5. So then I started... <laughs> I'm a businessman at heart. But um, I started doing that, but I, I grew up singing in church, in, in school. Um, so I started working for Celebrity in 2017. Um, I've done seven contracts with them. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Seven. Uh, there's six on board, uh, but and one swing contract that was just in the rehearsal studio. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I went to school. I did a conservatory-based program uh, where we studied everything um, from art and classical music to pop and musical theater. So I got a, a well-rounding education in vocal production. Yes, and when you went to study, you did um, formal education. Was that classical training? So the way that the program worked, we, we did, uh, we focused on classical music um, because it was like a choral program. 
that tied like um, musical theater and other genres together, but the main focus was classical. So they provided uh, voice teachers, and there were like maybe seven or eight voice teachers to pick from that worked at the university. Uh, I chose to try my hand with a classical teacher, um, and we had like a mock voice lesson where he just got a feel for my voice, and so. We sang together, uh, he had me do some scales, and uh, he, I'll be honest, he, he tore my voice apart. He told me really? everything that I was doing was wrong, um, that I had no foundation of proper singing, um, and just basically made me feel like I wasn't good enough, even before I even started studying with him. Um, so I knew that wasn't going to be a good fit. And I looked around at the other bios in the hallway of the other voice teachers. And I saw a woman who had played Effie White in Dreamgirls everywhere. So I was obsessed with Dreamgirls at that time in my life. Yes. So I was like, this is the person I want to teach me. And uh, her name was Vanetta Mixon, fantastic vocalist. Um, and she taught me speech level singing. Uh, but the first day I sang with her, She's like, I don't want to change your voice. I want to work with what you have. Great. And I want to help you create habits so that way you are always able to access uh, any part of your voice when you need it and you can expect it to be there. Um, so that kind of just stuck with me. Mm -hmm. She didn't flood my mind with technical terms. It was yes. all about feeling. It was very... Yes. Singing was an emotional thing for her. She said I should... I would never sing the song the same way because I should run on how I feel. Um, and so we learned about how it's all connected, the body, the emotions, mental, physical, everything. And so I couldn't even tell you sometimes what I'm doing with my voice, but other people may hear it and know exactly the technical term. I just know what it feels like. Yes. So. I, I would uh, call that coming from a primal sound approach. So coming from the intention mm -hmm. to make that sound. So being emotionally connected and then having a need to portray or to give the audience that feeling of what you're feeling. And what about you, Kayla? Was your training classically based? No, so it was mostly musical theater. I mean, we would dabble in, um, like, more legit musical theater sounds, um, but for the most part, it was um, pop-based musical theater. Um, I had a voice teacher as well at Pace who was very similar to what it sounds like Dom's, Dom's experience was, um, and it was a lot of, like, if this is, this, this is how this should feel and it, this shouldn't hurt and you kind of, uh, like you said, like everything's connected to the body and mm -hmm. we would do a lot of like um, grounding and stuff like that. But um, but we did a lot of musical theater and that was... Yes, fun. yes. I teach students who, in a pop program, mm -hmm. who have come from a musical theater background and I actually find them the hardest to teach in mm -hmm. terms of like taking away all their toys, yeah. you know, the, the, the over-articulation, the, the really strong American accent, the, mm. this, the vibrato, yeah. that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Did you find that hard yourself when you started to study? Yes. Pop? So when I first got to school, they told me that my, uh, my belt was really 
brassy and harsh, and mm-hmm. I, I, yes. I needed to work on my... <laughs> That's good. Um, they told me I needed to work on my mix and um, kind of make it more of a smoother sound. Um, so I worked on that a lot. And my another big issue that I would have would be my vowels, because mm-hmm. um, yes. yeah, there's a a kind of a, a Delaware accent that I had. Um, really? So yeah, I I don't think so I have it anymore. Ah, uh, like so what's a Delaware? accent sound like well it's got like delaware philly and i can't do it though but people would say like oh go to get some water or like go to yeah water but yeah my big issue was my my vowels so i had to work on that and that kind of gave me a a clearer tone as well which mm-hmm. which helped yes and because I'm a singing teacher, and I not only listen, but I also watch how you produce sound and the shape of your mouth. And I mean, I don't do it on purpose. It's kind of like it just comes instinctively. It's listening and watching, and and I see the shape of your vowels. And you do have that really long, especially yeah. when you're belting. You're using a really well. You're using the appropriate shape for a belt sound so you would have had to learn that and get get rid of the delaware and (laughs) and become a belter so we're and i when hearing you sing the 80s rock show Mm -hmm. you actually had a very raw belt which was appropriate to style as well and and a musical theater belt would not have cut that and made that an authentic sound at all yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about your journey and how you've ended up on a ship. Mm. <coughs> so, so Excuse what? Me. What was your? How did you transition to the role of being on a ship contract? I'll, I'll go first, and then I'll get into your, <laughs> your experience. Um, so, uh, I just graduated college, um, and I was auditioning in New York, and I, I, my main goal was to get money so that I can move to New York and I would love, I was like, I want to do a tour or a cruise ship or something. So I auditioned for Celebrity and after doing a bunch of other auditions for other cruise lines and stuff like that, and then I booked it and the rest was history. Oh, so it was to make money. (laughs) Well, yeah. And to travel, of course, as well. Because especially when you don't have ties to an apartment or a house, it's Mm -hmm. it's the perfect time to go. Or husband and children. Yeah. And all the rest of it. But also, to with celebrity, what some of the listeners may not know is that you actually don't have any onboard duties other than performing at night time sure you do drill you do muster but you don't have to call bingo or um, do an aerobics class or do child minding or whatever it is because some of the other cruise line companies you actually have to do other onboard duties as well so it is a great time that you can go and visit ports if, if it's a a, a shore day, you can go on shore and visit all these amazing cities. And what about you, Dom? Um, I was working in Japan. Um, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And uh, I had met a young lady named Tatanisa when I went back the following year uh, to do a self-produced show um, called Kiss Me Quick on oh, YouTube. Okay. <laughs> you call no. that a passion dash. Yeah, just a real quick, you know. Um, no, but I, I had gone back after spending um, over a year performing there to do a solo show that I had self-produced, and I met this young lady named Tatanisa uh, in, in the theme park, and she was incredible vocalist, and um, I wanted to sing with her. And so she hopped on stage with me and did a, a duet in my show, um, and I enjoyed working with her so much because she just had so much passion um, and so I kind of kept in touch with her and then she ended up working for Celebrity Cruises and she messaged me and she was like, Hey, they're looking for male singers. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can get you on my ship and we can do a cast together. So I submitted my material to the casting director at the time and she sent me back some stuff to sing. Um, and I sent it to her, uh, and I didn't hear anything back and I was like, okay, uh, maybe no, but you know, my impatience was leading that feeling. So I woke up the next day after sending that material in and I had checked my views on YouTube and like they had already watched it, yes. but I woke up the next morning with an offer. Um, wow. so it was a fast process. And then I knew I'd be leaving in about three months and they canceled that contract and asked me to come in 10 days. Um, so that happens. kind of jumped quick. Mm-hmm to you know start and our start our rehearsal date was the same starting point so I was under the impression that I booked the same ship as her but we were just rehearsing at the same time so she ended up doing the Celebrity Solstice yes and I ended up doing Celebrity Infinity but I wouldn't you know trade that for the world it's led me here and it's it's taught me so much Mm -hmm. so I'm happy that she convinced me I went on a cruise when I was 18 on Disney, and they're so strict. Um, yes. They, they have to work in the library. Yes. They have other duties, as you mentioned. Yes. Um, and that turned me off to working on cruise ships. And I auditioned for other cruise ships before Celebrity. I auditioned for Norwegian. I booked After Midnight, um, but I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to um, deal with the extra duties and the strictness because I thought every cruise line was the same mm. but Tati she convinced me that celebrity was different yes and so as long as I could show up and sing and, and do what I truly love that I was willing to do it and that's what's been so nice about working here yes and so okay you landed in Miami because that's where the rehearsal process usually begins other than if we're in COVID times, and I know that that is a different process because you rehearse on the ship during that time, but in a normal situation, you go to Miami, and what is the rehearsal process like during that time? It was a a rude awakening for me, my first contract. I don't know if you felt this way, but I was so used to doing, like, musical theatre or other gigs where you have, like, about a month or so to learn one show. Here, you rehearse six days a week, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., and you spend about about eight days on each show. And depending on the vessel that you're on, you can have four production shows and three theme nights. It varies. So I felt like everything was very, very fast-paced, and I wasn't used to that style of rehearsing. Um, so we would learn the, the music in three days 
or so, and then start staging it. And then by day seven, you were preparing your office run where they invite all the casting directors and, and people that work in the head office down to watch the final product before it goes to the vessel. So it, it is stressful, um, but it's also hard because you're with people that you love to do what they do. You're all young, the same age. It's like being back in college because you're in a dorm-style living <laughs> facility. Yes. Uh, so, you know, drinking and partying comes into the mix. And so, you know, you have to find that balance because you work very hard all week and then Saturday night is the time to go... Yeah out and have a good time mm -hmm. and you have to kind of rest and recuperate on the Sunday because Monday you start back up again. Yes. So okay. it's it's a crazy fast process but once you get like your second or third contract in it's like a piece of cake yeah. and then mm -hmm. you figure out your momentum and your rhythm. Yes. How was it for you Kayla when you arrived and did your first contract and in that rehearsal process? Yeah. I was so nervous to start. I remember showing up and I think my flight was maybe like a Saturday and then we had Sunday off and then we we're starting on Monday. I didn't leave my room. I was really? like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I, I flew in on a Saturday and I was like, I just, I'm so nervous. I can't leave my room. And then I would hear in like the hallway, like people would be partying and having fun or whatever. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to bed. And then, then at the next day, I think I went to, like, I don't know. I was so nervous because I was like, I'm not going to make any friends. I don't know anyone. I didn't know anyone who worked for the company. Um, but, yeah. Oh, but so you were me. like the new kid on the block. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. How old were you then? Um, I was 21. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then, actually, my birthday was maybe the third day of rehearsals. It's, it's been really weird because I've had three, um, three contracts and then my birthday always lands on like the first day of rehearsal or like the third, uh, first week of rehearsal. So you almost haven't had a birthday. <laughs> You're still 21. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to say, um, it's, since then, I kind of got in a swing of things and made friends and I'm still friends with people from my first contract three years later. But, but yeah, I'm getting in a swing of things and it's good. So when you go into rehearsal, do they appoint a vocal captain who then chooses your tracks? So maybe just explain the track situation because in musical theatre you have, you know, in terms of... The, the males, you have the tenor and the baritone and whoever else, and, and then females, you have the alto and the soprano. So how do you then define who is singing what part? Who chooses those roles? So when we auditioned, um, we, had, we were given, based off of whatever song we sang for the audition, they would give us a specific track. It, like... For instance, I sang big belty songs, so they gave me um, songs that have belts. There's a couple shifts that have a little bit of um, legit music as yes, well. So yeah, yeah, so if they think you're right for that track, they'll have you sing a packet for that for for the audition. Um, but so they already kind of knew my voice style, mm -hmm. um, and then the next part, 
I guess, defined what track I was in was based off of, I would say, looks. Um, <laughs> well, do you want to yes. take this one away, Dom? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. So when you say looks, what yeah. are we talking about in terms of looks? Like, are we talking about height or uh, what, what are we talking about? So um, we sing a lot of pop music and I guess... You, yeah, you okay, John, you take the microphone. Please, you to take the microphone. I'll, no, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll be a little more frank. Yes. Um, and this is my experience and my opinion, and it doesn't reflect yeah. celebrity cruises, uh, their values or, or what they lead with, but this is my experience in, right. in the seventh contracts that I've done. Um, it varies. Uh, sometimes there's a vocal captain that's already decided. Uh, before you even get there, because people discuss their contract dealings with yes, they uh, the casting director. Yeah, mm-hmm. so some people will only do it if they're vocal captain or, you know, mm-hmm. so forth. But for me, I've, I've had it where I've, I've gone to a contract with a vocal captain already decided or have been asked to be the vocal captain. So, but in regards to tracking, uh, as Kayla said, it does sometimes depend on voicing. But for, especially, I would say in general, they don't really cast soprano, alto, tenor, bass. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more so, like, in terms of pop range, belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what do you have? And yes. because the females and males sit in a similar range area. And a lot of times it sits at the extremes of your voice. So when I'm singing low, I am singing at my lowest. Yes. And when I'm singing high, I'm singing at my highest. Um, there's no middle ground, but I will say for the men, they tend to only really hire tenors because that's what they write the shows yes. for. And and most pop songs at the moment are sung in a yeah. tenor range. Yeah. And really, there aren't a lot of natural tenors. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Um, <laughs> I sound a little husky because we, you know, just got to the end. But yes. my experience in regards to getting cast in a specific track has varied. Um, I've worked and experienced, uh, they like to call it the black track. Uh, it tends to be a track that is more soulful or more boisterous. It's a, the bigger vocal track of the two. It may not be as featured as the other track, but it's, it's tend to be the track that is the one that's going to come out and do the 11th hour song and shut it down. Um, so I... Can I just stop you for a sure. moment? They call it the black track. Is that is that how it's known around the professional circles here on the ship? Or is it... In, in terms of the people that cast it, they don't call it the black track. Um, but we have worked with, you know, other performers or other um, musical directors that they've hired that they will refer to the M2 track or the F2 track as the black track. Um, and that's kind of been something, we've had a conversation with the company about it. Um, that's something that they're steering away from because they weren't aware that that's what it was being called. Um, but at the same time, I believe this this is a thing that goes beyond celebrity. It, it's the cruise industry. It's the entertainment industry. It's it's Broadway. It's West End. Yes. A lot of times these roles are designed for a person of color 
because of where the roots of the music stem from. And so, although that can be a great thing, you run into the problem sometimes where myself, I identify with some of the tracking that would not traditionally be the black track. So vocally, some of the shows that suit me better are the M1 tracks. And I've only done M1 twice at Celebrity. And I'm, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm the only black male singer that's done M1 on the Edge class. So I did it on Edge, the first Edge class ship, and I've done it here on Beyond. And I'm going I'm going to circle back to what I was saying about the issue of the way they, they do tracking. I think as a society, we've gotten into the habit of creating shows with this magic formula. Of course, we want to check legal check boxes and make sure that we have diversity and all those things that we as artists stand for. But at the same time, we kind of pigeonhole people into being a specific thing. So now, because we expect there to be a a big moment from a black female singer or a a black male singer or a person of color, we now lock ourselves into this that only a black person can play this track. Right. And because it becomes that, we then also lock the other tracks into being you know, a track for someone Caucasian or another race. And I think that's troubling because a lot of times you'll find that the black track is sometimes in a storyline show, the evil track Mm. or, and it's just because the music lends itself to that. Yes. Um, So they decide to choose like a more soulful song or a more, for example, um, they would choose something that would be done by Prince or, or Jimi Hendrix because it's got that real rough grit to it and they will put that to an evil character to be a contrast to someone singing like Ellie Goulding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they end up keeping that track as yes. a person of color, yes. which is something we should steer away from because... I've met many female singers and male singers who do not possess that, even though they are black. Um, and they would be more suited to do the ingenue role, where it requires a legit soprano or something like that. So it's been tough in that sense, but at the same time, I think we're moving in the right direction because I'm, you know, doing doing it now, and I hope that in the future they continue to see that it doesn't really matter Um what race you are, we need to focus on the voice type. If you're right vocally for it, then you're right for it. Yes, yes. So that means then that just because you are black, you do the black track, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that is what your voice suits. And in terms of range, in terms of timbre, in terms of... stylistically mm-hmm. how does that then impact in terms of vocal health because if you're having to manipulate your voice or sing in a style or a range that is not comfortable for you does that not cause vocal problems i'll give a short answer and then i'll pass it to kayla because okay. i think she, she'll <laughs> provide a different insight yes. to this but for me um it, it didn't vocally fatigue me in any way, and I think that's linked to my training and my background. 
But at the same time, I think it, it was a blessing in disguise. It helped me learn how to master different genres mm-hmm. uh, because there are times, even though it may lend itself to being just that style, there are other times in different shows where I'm required to do something else um, that's completely different. And um, for example, on my first contract, the uh, musical director chose me to sing a song called Alegria, which is in Italian and in Spanish. Yes. And it's because she looked at my last name and was like, oh, you seem like someone that may be able to speak another language. And I was like, well, you're right. I do speak fluent Spanish. So she got lucky because my counterpart was from the UK. So she got lucky, uh, even though they should be able to teach the material, it was just a fast paced situation and she didn't have to go through much of the pronunciation with me. Um, but I count it as a blessing because it, it, it did help me. And now I'm able to pull from all those different things from those experiences and I can take any song and really shape it the way I want it and, and make it me from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my experience is similar to Dom's. Um, I definitely grew a lot having to be, I guess, quote unquote, forced to sing that specific style. Um, yeah, but going on vocal health, an interesting thing that happened though, I had to leave a contract early. I was signing off medically, um, and the other girl had to come in and sing both my track and her track. Really? They didn't? Oh, should I say that there's a sick track? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. So just quickly explain the sick track. So we make what they call sick tracks on board um, in case a singer is sick, loses their voice, but they are able to be there physically and to physically perform. Mm -hmm. Um, So what they'll do if you're sick, they'll put on your sick track and then you lip sync for your life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Doesn't happen too often though, um, especially with with our group here on Beyond. Yes, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone using a sick track. I've, I've done sick, six cruises, and I don't think I've ever heard a cast use a sick track, although there was a situation where a singer left, broke the contract and left, and someone had to step into that role because the singer left virtually, yeah. yes, abruptly is the, the word to use, and so they had no no one else to to do the track. So they one of the dancers had to step in and sing, yeah. should I say, mime the sick track. But yes, yeah. yeah, that that's that happens a lot as well. Or even with today's day and age, you know, someone God forbid gets COVID or has yes. to you know quarantine, then we'll have dancers step in and use the sick track as well. Yeah, we we tend to. Um, we tend to go with someone who feels comfortable. Um, so we tend to work with a lot of dancers that have MT training um, and they they can hold a note, they can sing in tune. It's just that that's not their their main discipline. So um, they whoever feels the most comfortable. I mean, I had a similar experience and a singer left abruptly and our dance captain stepped in and I enjoyed it so much, but the thing is, is that she can actually sing. Yeah. She may oh. not like her tone, but right. she can actually sing. Yes. And so um, during the sound check, we turned on her microphone and we let her 
sing the top part of the show and don't stop believing and she was belting it out spot on in tune she gave me goosebumps that's amazing please don't tell me she was better than the singer I mean, you know, she she was great. I, I would have felt that's the contract that I did as vocal captain. And if I would have had more time with her, I would have felt comfortable with her singing live because mm-hmm. I, I really did believe in her. Yes. Um, so I, I definitely think that that's a possibility. But these six tracks, for me, I pride myself in not using them. I think uh, as a singer, you should always be able to um, maneuver around what you don't have. If you feel like something's not going to work, you know, you gotta, it's live. You gotta figure out what, what you can mm-hmm. do. And not everybody has that improv down yet, but this is the perfect place to learn how to do it. Because if you mess it up in the seven o'clock show, you got the nine o'clock show to get it down. And because this is such a long contract, it's not gonna yes. follow you for the rest of your life. Yes. Guests that leave that cruise aren't gonna be on next cruise. They might be back to back, but they might not remember. Mm-hmm. And it's just a good way to perfect your craft. Yes, absolutely. So, Kaylee, you were telling us that you left for medical reasons. Yes. Was that because you're having vocal issues you don't no. want to share? Okay. Uh, I, it's a crazy story, actually. Um, so, the story is, <laughs> I was um, doing a new build. I was doing Apex, and uh, it was the last day of our install process. It was a final dress rehearsal for... The, uh, one of the shows, yes. and uh, I was wearing a big poofy dress, and I walked past the what they call lifts um, in the back, um, and it was up, and my dress got caught, and I tripped and broke my foot. Oh my goodness! The day before opening night. Oh my goodness! So you've done all that rehearsal and broke your foot. Yes. Not good timing, Kayla. It, it was not, <laughs> not, not one timing. of my uh, brightest moments. <laughs> But um, yeah, so we had to quickly come up with a contingency plan because I couldn't do the show. I was in a cast and I had to be signed off. Um, so we had the other singer come in and sing my solos. Was that Jen? Yes. yes. Yeah, that was Jen. Jen is one of the other <laughs> singers in this production cast who is also amazing. Oh, yes, yes, she's incredible. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a show where... I could, we could easily kind of divvy up what I did. So she sang most of what I sang, and then um, the duet that I sang became a solo and like little things like that. Yes. Um, but they ended up not finding a replacement for me, or they couldn't come. I think it was maybe at like two months or a month. Wow, that's, um, that's a long time. Yeah, at least a month. And then mm. when the replacement came, they had to teach her the shows because no one's ever learned the shows as it was a new build. Um, so they had to teach her the show, so it took a, a while. So Jen was still covering for me. And in doing that, she, I, hope, I don't think she'll mind me saying this, but no. um, but yeah, she had a big vocal injury um, and she was under a lot of stress and she had to be medically signed off. So what, did she have nodules or was it something else? Did she have so, hemorrhage? So or? she went to the... Um, she went to a spe- quote unquote specialist. We were in we were in Greece, so there wasn't that mm-hmm. many um, uh, opportunities or yes. a good good places to go. Um, and she got scoped, I believe. And yes. they told her that she had nodules, but then she's like, "Oh my gosh, I, I have to go. I have to get, take care of this." And then she went home, went to see a specialist, and they were like, "No, 
you don't have anything. You're fine. Um, just have a rest and try not to be super stressed, and it should, you should be fine. Because mm. um, Jen did share the story with me, and she said that she was super stressed and she was not coping with the workload, with you two being away because you were very close friends and didn't feel supported not having you there. And, you know, it serves as a reminder that as singers, our whole body is the instrument. Whatever is going on physically, mentally and emotionally is going to impact how we sing. And if you're stressed, I mean, everything's, you're going to have so much tension. You're not going to be able to breathe properly because it's high, shallow breathing. There's so many issues surrounding that. And then to go out night after night and to perform like that. Is, is not going to be an easy thing. And did she then return to the ship? No. So at that point, I think there was only maybe a, a month left of the contract. So she went home and she recovered and then she came back for beyond. Mm-hmm. Because this is a brand new build. It's a brand new ship. It is state-of-the-art, world-class, amazing ship worth billions and billions and billions of dollars And when you have a new ship, it's all brand new shows as well. So you guys actually have had a very long rehearsal process and also installing the show. So when did you start this particular We started rehearsals for Beyond in November. Um, And then we were in rehearsals from November to about February. And um, then we flew to France, Saint Nazaire, and we the ship wasn't ready for us to live on it just yet. So we, they put us up in a hotel, mm-hmm. um, and we stayed in the hotel for a month, yeah. give or take. And then finally, after that month, we joined the ship. Right. Another question, because these times are so unpredictable, and dare I use the the COVID word, but I will. Have any of you had COVID since you've been on the ship? I actually did have COVID. I had COVID um, around Christmas time. Um, I had it right, um, we, because we were in rehearsals, we'd get uh, about a week Christmas break. Um, and I had big plans to go home with my boyfriend and then um, have a great Christmas there. And then I tested positive for COVID. That was your Christmas present. Yeah. Hello. Yes. Because my daughter, my daughter is one of the dancers in the production cast with with both of you, and she had COVID. She woke to the news Christmas Eve that she had tested um, positive as well. But I know for many singers, Dom, you didn't have COVID. Um, so the entire oh, cast okay. caught it. I was one of the lucky four that did not catch it. Okay. But I, I attest that to having the original strain um, back in 2020. Um, so I, I don't know if I built up an immunity along with my vaccination mm. to getting it, but I got really lucky. So I did get to go home yes. um, and see my family. but. Yes. Because for me and, and your daughter especially, we came off of a contract, the return to service contract. So we hadn't been home for now really over a year. April um, last year. April last year is when we started yes. rehearsals for Edge. And yes. I finished November 14th. 
uh, that contract and then got off the ship in Miami and was shuttled to the hotel and started rehearsals for Beyond November mm-hmm. 15th. Same so it's, it's been um, a long process of continually taking care of your health mentally and physically um, and emotionally, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of ups and downs to yeah. the process mm-hmm. of creating a new build. It's stressful. Yes. And that can, you know, play tricks on your, your mind. And then that all transcends down to your voice and, and how you're able to do your job, even for a dancer as well, physically. Like, it, it, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have the proper tools to take care of yourself, then... It, it makes it even harder. Yes. So just backing back, I have so many questions here yeah, based sure. on what both of you have, have responded. When you had COVID, how was the journey back into singing? Because, like, I had COVID and for the first month after having COVID, I couldn't sing a whole verse of a song without a coughing fit. And I think it took me months to fully recover in terms of range, uh, even uh, vocal stamina, being able to breathe. Yeah. So I actually got long COVID from my COVID um, in December. And so my symptoms were basically asthma. And I had to get an inhaler, um, and I could only sleep on my stomach. Oh my yeah, God. it was it was really bad. But during all of that, I was we were in rehearsals and we were doing Stage Door, which is the musical theater show. Um, brilliant show, by the way. Yeah, they're all brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, and that show is a particularly uh, very hefty show for me for my track, and it was so difficult. I. I I don't I don't know how I got through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to practice a lot and really figure out where I was taking my breaths and I don't know I, I don't know how I got through this. Well, <laughs> oh, I remember you. She would come yeah. off of because I was a swing originally for this contract. Yes. So I got to watch a lot and observe along with learning the material. But I remember you had like three inhalers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would watch her do this big number, massive number, sound incredible, walk off stage, have a coughing fit, and then need her inhaler. Mm-hmm. And she would sit with her arms up above her head to, you know, open up her, her lungs Lung and everything. Yeah. yeah. And so it was amazing to see her be able to sing like that and, and get through it. But then also it was really hard to watch her struggle because it was like, this is not easy to for anyone in general, mm. let alone, you know, singing through what she was dealing with vocally and, and you know, uh, after COVID. So it was quite amazing to watch. But um, I think you were still on your inhaler when we did all the presentations and everything, mm-hmm. and you would never know. Um, wow. It never affected her vocally or, I mean, I don't even think you're... you're lung capacity diminished she was able to hold notes for their value yes it might not have felt great Uh, yes well the shows are a big thing despite what track that they are all a really big thing in terms of range in terms of agility and like they're they're vocal marathons Mm -hmm. i would call them every single song just about is like that and 
Have, do you feel that you're fully recovered now? Yes, I think now I'm fine. I can finally say after how many months? Five? <laughs> Five months, we'll say. Mm -hmm. I'm, I can now sleep any position that I'm best. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel supported by the company during that time? Uh, yeah, I, as I, I, I think. The, the issue was there was the pressure that you had to be good and you had to make sure that you can sing and do the track because we were on a tight schedule, you know? I had to learn these, these shows and we had to do these presentations and all of this, so... Um, Within, within what they could do, I guess. But. And with other issues that you may have, whether it be a medical issue, something's affecting you physically or you're ill, and then even something psychological, do you, do you feel that you can speak to someone within the company and articulate exactly what you're feeling and you feel supported? Yeah, so there, especially when we're in Miami, it's a lot easier and, and faster to um, go to your get your medical situated. Um, there's a form that you can fill out, you can talk to your install directors and then they can direct you to the right um, doctors if you need. Do you feel supported, Dom? No. Um, and I'll, I'll say that because I think as singers, we all know, the minute you feel something different, you know either you're going to get sick yeah. or something's mm -hmm. not right. It's really weird because I don't yes. feel like non-singing non folk or muggles would, <laughs> would feel the same. Yeah. I don't think they understand. We're so in tune with what's going on. Uh, you know, and the vocal folds are, you yes. know, so thin yes. that it's amazing that you can feel that. But I don't think they understand that as a corporation. Yeah. So if I want to see an ENT, it's a longer process. I've got to go to another doctor. I've got to go get referred. I got to, and they don't take it seriously um, when people are like, oh, like I, something's not right. Um, I've been told in the past not me personally, but it's been said in the past to another singer in my uh, cast that maybe they should seek a vocal teacher um, because they were having some issues vocally, but it's not really provided. Like, there's no what we, you know, the dancers, they have an on-site physical therapist, but there is no one that is, you know, in the voice, yes, you know, uh, side of it that yes. Could, like a, a, a vocal coach or a singing teacher yeah. or we call it the vocology team where you have the ENT, the speech language pathologist. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have the whole team that work with you. So this is not provided by the company. No. Um, they almost expect you to come in with all of that training to avoid yeah. those kinds of things. Mm. Um, but then it's hard to get to an ENT if you need it. It's easier, like she said, in Miami, but on board it's even worse. Yes. When you're on board, they just don't understand it. Um, I was, before the pandemic, um, I was on board another ship and one of the female singers had strep throat. And we sing duets face to face. And I was like, why am I doing this? We're still doing the show. She's still singing live, amazingly. 
But then I felt something in my throat, and I was like, I am going to get strep throat. Looked at my tonsils, had the little white uh, specks, and I went down to medical to try and get... Um, I come from... My mother and my sister are both uh, nurses. My sister's a registered nurse. So I told my sister, and she was like, you just need a shot of penicillin, and it'll you know go down. And I was told that penicillin is too expensive to be used for someone who may or may not have strep throat. So, okay. yeah, which is not true. Penicillin is actually very cheap. Um, and it took me fighting, literally arguing with the medical staff to get what I needed. So that way, because, again, I don't ever want to use my sick track. And if I can avoid it, it's very early on. I haven't, it hasn't developed to the point where I have soreness or I couldn't sing, but I didn't want to let it progress. And I had to fight for it. Mm-hmm. I got it. I was sore, um, but in where I got the shot, not vocally, oh. but it, yeah. So you couldn't sit for a month? Uh, yeah, well, and I, you know, I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe it's just my imagination, but the nurse that administered the shot, I, I don't think she was as gentle as she could be because I, I, I put up a fight for it. I not know whose butt she was dealing with. <laughs> yeah, so... I, I was able to get it, but those things are very lacking on board, um, even physically, like, you know, because as singers, we're required to dance as well. Yes. Um, and they lo- if you are comfortable moving, they're going to make you dance more. And so uh, I dislocated my knee on board, uh, my first contract. I was doing, ironically, moves like Joker. <laughs> I was doing all the choreography that the male dancers were doing while singing, and my knee decided that it wanted to go a different way. And it didn't want to move like Jagger. <laughs> not at all. Not in that way. Um, and it, it, I never saw that for the entire time of that contract, I never saw a physical therapist because we were moving around so much and the medical team wasn't really on it. Um, so I don't honestly don't believe that I quite fully healed um, from that. And then the following contract, I dislocated my same knee again. But because I was in Miami, yes. I saw physical therapy. Yes. So it's like accessibility. Yeah. Probably. That's an issue. It's hard mm. when you're moving around a lot, but it's doable. It's just, it, it needs to be stressed that it's important. Yeah. So both of you have been vocal captains. You're the current vocal captain, mm. Kayla. And Dom, you were on your previous contract. And what kind of responsibilities come with that? Um, we're required to maintain the integrity of the show. Um, I, I respect Kayla so much as a singer in general, but working with her as a vocal captain, I've enjoyed because I've had some vocal captains that are very strict and they don't want you to deviate from anything. They don't want you to like experiment or anything, even in the tech runs. They don't want to hear anything different. They expect it to sound the same. Um, I've, and this is going to sound horrible, but I'm going to be honest. I've worked with vocal captains that I necessarily didn't feel were right for the position or um, good enough to be vocal captain. Not talent-wise, but... Experience and knowledge. On the manager size yes. side of it. Um, and so it was really hard to take notes from someone that I felt like wasn't up to par with what I expected. Um, for me, as vocal captain, I was a little more liberal. I wanted people to experiment. I wanted people to find their voice. Um, I shared a lot of duets with uh, another very talented singer, 
and I would tell her, if you see me roll my neck at you before we go on for this duet, I that means we're gonna have a vocal uh, little, you know, play play date yes. and figure out some new stuff. And honestly, just seeing the growth, not only in myself but in her, from allowing that was tremendous because. I had worked with vocal captains that would freak out if you deviated from something. So working with Kayla, she kind of, you know, reined me in sometimes when I went too far, but I never, I always did stuff in the tech run. So she would come and be like, maybe not that Maybe one. not. Maybe not, But Tom. she did allow. Keep that one, keep that one for, for home. For home. But she, she did allow. And also a lot of times when she said, maybe not that one, I knew it was too much. Yes. But, but I've seen at times within the shows when someone has had a little bit of a play with their voice, not just you, Dom, I've seen even when, you know, like <laughs> others in the, in the show have had a little bit of a go and how you all look at each other in a, in a way it's like, wow, that was so cool. I've seen well. you do it with, with um, Jen. Yeah. And I've seen you do it with each other that every now and again yeah. you will have an experiment and, and yeah. out will come this magnificent sound and you're all like, wow, you know? <laughs> so, well, you came on the, uh, the the last cruise we're doing, so yes. we were just trying to have fun. I was like, you know what? But it was great. <laughs> it, it's been great. It's been such a pleasure hearing what you're all capable of. I'm so glad that I didn't hear the restrained versions of, of these songs because it's given me an absolute, such total respect for each and every one of you that what, you, what you're all vocally capable of is, is brilliant. So, no, congratulations. And now, vocal captain, too, you have to warm up the, the, the vocalist. So what kinds of things do you do in terms of vocal warm-up? So what, what we'll do for a schedule is um, we'll go in, we'll do our notes first, and then we do a physical warm-up. I, I like to tell um, the dance captain, we'll do 15 minutes and then 15 minutes of vocal warm-up um, so that our bodies are all nice and, mm -hmm. and warm. And yes. we also have some singer dancers as well. So yes. it gives them the opportunity to kind of be in both places. Um, and yeah, so then what I like to do for my warm up, start out with some really easy, like humming, lip trills, and then move into some stuff to, um, work the soft palate and then some belty stuff. And then we'll end with the cool down. It's kind of the general, um, general way that I do it. But what about you, Dom? Do you have a favorite thing that you like to do in a warm up? Um, I so I have, I've done Kayla's warm ups, but I tend to do my own warm up. Why um, am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> well, for, he's like the rogue child. Isn't he? I, I, am, yes. I am, but the, the reason is um, so I do a warm-up that's very specific to the training that I had. I do speech-level singing. Yes. So all of my um, warm-ups are about stretching the chords. Um, so it's honestly the same scale over and over, but it's on different vowels. And then I'll funnel that vowel as I get higher. So around uh, A or B flat is where I start to funnel the vowel, and I warm up every show to an F-sharp five. Even though in the shows I don't use it, but yes. it's nice to be fully open. Mm -hmm. um, but
But yeah, so uh, it'll go from uh, like na as a nut to new as in foot. Like so na 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 new when I need to funnel. Uh, but then you end up opening that vowel back up towards the end of the note and it sounds like the normal word. So I use that as a way to create a habit so that way it goes with me on stage. Um, but it's only 10 minutes, um, but that is the only part vocally that I do. I tend to, I go to the gym before every performance um, to get a nice physical warm up. Before I even start to phone I go and get a physical warm up because I believe it's really about singing is very yes, physical. So absolutely. I, I'm, I want to be warm physically before I even try and get my vocal folds to work for me. And what about cool downs at the ends of a show? Do you do those or you you guys naughty? I'm not. You don't cool down. I don't cool yeah. down. Um, but, well, because at the same time, in this environment, a lot of times I'll go out after the show, so I'll end up being in a pub or in a bar where there's music playing. And throughout the vessel, there's always music playing. Absolutely. So I'm always speaking over the music. Yes. And so that if I cool down, then even though I'm I'm trying to sound nice, but I don't normally cool down. And I know that's a bad habit, but yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to even go further with that's, that. That's okay. <laughs> I get the idea. What about, what do you do to look after your physical, mental, and emotional health on the ship? What's important to you? Like, do you have a... A routine or a schedule that's important to you? Do any of you meditate? Do you watch what you eat? Like, do you have something that you do to take care of you mentally, physically, and emotionally? Um, Pre-pandemic, working on ships, I had to get off the ship. Anytime we were in port, I had to get off. I needed to be away from, because when you work on board, you can't escape work because you live where you work. So I had to go away from that and have time to myself. So a lot of times I would get off by myself, go for a walk and just get fresh air. During the pandemic and return to service, um, you couldn't get off. Crew yes. members weren't allowed. Yes. Uh, so I went to the contract with the mindset knowing you cannot get off. You need to find something else. So then I started meditating. Um, and I would meditate before the shows. Um, just to kind of escape mm-hmm. the ship in a different way. Um, and my voice teacher, I reached out to her to hear a little more because I knew she meditated. And um, she kind of walked me through some meditations. And she actually taught me, um, she likes to meditate to her favorite artists. Um, so you go through, and I've my favorite artist is Mariah Carey. So I've picked songs that I love by her, but her voice isn't on it. So it's just the, uh, like a piano version of mm-hmm. it. And I sit there and I visualize colors and other things as I meditate before the show to help me kind of reset my mind because I've done shows when I'm upset and it's a different experience. I sing differently. I act differently. I've done shows when I'm so excited about something and it's a different experience. So I try to always come back and dial it back to zero. So that way when I start the performance, I can dial in where I need to. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the things I do mm-hmm. for mental health. Um, vocal health, I try and drink a lot of water hours before the show. Um, 
but the food on board isn't always the healthiest for us. Not in the mess. No, not in the crew mess. Um, and so you tend to want to only eat bad things. So I find myself having a lot of coffee and I drink regular milk. So I have a lot of dairy, eat a lot of pizza. So oh. it's, it's a lot of things that don't really lend help mm. to me, but I don't, I don't eat before the shows. Um, that's one thing I do steer from. Um, but you know, there's always artificial air going on. So yes. humidifiers are great to have. And, um, you use a personal steamer, don't you? Yeah. Except mine broke like two months ago. Sam. Um, but yeah, mine's very similar to, uh, Dom where I like to get off on the ports. Um, and then also it, it's, it's fun. Why not? You know? Um, I like to do that. I find that having a schedule has been really, really good. Um, it, it was difficult during the install process because we didn't know what the day would be like. And um, so once we were out of it, I could, I could sense my mood being a lot better because yes. I, I knew exactly what I was doing. And even like little things for the tech run, right? I knew, okay, we're going to do notes this, we're going to do... Every day, notes of this time, every day, we'll do sound check this time, every day. And so that really helped me as well. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought. But, um, what about in terms of sleep? Uh, yeah, I try I try and sleep um, pretty uh, pretty regularly. Um, yeah, I, I have a bedtime app that gets turned off a little bit too too much I, ah. I should use it more <laughs> um but yeah it's I try and get sleep and I try I don't like to drink the day before the shows that's that's a big no-no and um sometimes even like two days before I, I won't do that um because I find that that really affects my singing voice yes yes oh yeah yeah no, I don't I don't drink on I don't drink on board yeah. that often no. um especially if I have to sing and if I do decide to have a beverage I only drink whiskey I found uh, through my years of performing on board, I've had to find what works. Um, and we're people, all different. Yeah, some people can get away with drinking a whole bottle of wine and then the next day mm-hmm. be vocally impeccable. But for me, it's the only thing that doesn't dehydrate me. So the cast always joke and they're like, "Are you gonna have a whiskey ginger beer?" Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's my go-to because the ginger is a natural anti-inflammatory. So. Or pineapple juice, um, I'll have because of the bromelain in it. Um, so it just it just varies, but yeah, I avoid drinking as much. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good call. Alcohol is very dehydrating. Oh, very. Yes, yes. Yeah. and in terms of schedule, we'll just touch on this really briefly because I've kept you guys here way longer than than um, you know. You've been so generous with your time. But I, I know that with these uh, itineraries, they've been like nine or ten night itineraries here in Europe, in the Mediterranean, and you have been doing three production shows, one or two theme nights. And when you have a production show, what is your schedule for that day? Um, I, I'll, I'll pass it over to, to Kayla, but I have to go to, uh, the gym before we even start the notes process. 
And then as vocal captain, they set everything up. So I'll let her explain it a little more. Mm. Yeah, you mean like the physical schedule, like oh, the just work wise, or, or just um, just schedule. no, no, just the work schedule. Oh, yeah. In okay. terms of, uh, you have tech run. How long does that usually go for? And then yeah. the number of shows you perform. Yeah. So depending on the um, the number of guests on board, we we'll either do one or two shows. Uh, so usually seven thirty, nine thirty, or if it's one. One, nine o'clock show. Yeah, nine o'clock, yeah. Um, so what would happen is we would come in 12.30-ish. We would have 15, 10 minutes of notes. Um, that would be for the vocal captain and dance captain. We, we give our notes together, and then we would do 15-minute, well, either for the singers, 15-minute physical warm-up, 15-minute vocal warm-up for dancers, full 30. And then we would go into our aerial checks, for 10, 15 minutes, and then sound check. We would get into our mics, sound check about 10 minutes. Usually doesn't take that long. Um, and then after that, we would go into our tech run. So that would be, we do the entire show with all automation, all um, uh, yeah, lights, sound, just to double check if everything. Full production. Yeah, full production. We, we mark. We don't have to sing anything full out. Um, can I interrupt here? I was sitting in a tech run a few days ago, and if you call that marking, come on, you, you two and and the other the other singers, you all well, you all sounded like you were giving a hundred percent in the tech run. Sometimes we like to have fun and just play around, and that was you saw the stage door one. No, it was oh, okay. Yes. Um, okay. I don't. I don't typically. I don't typically yeah. mark any of the tech runs, um, even when I'm not in good voice. And I know that's a bad habit, but I, I want to know what I'm working with. Yes. So I sing the the tech run full out. Um, this also gives me a chance to try stuff full out that I've might have yeah. done lightly in the shower or walking around somewhere and a new melismas come to me. So I'm like, I'm gonna try that full out on mic to see how it goes. Because on board the Edge class ships, we wear in-ear monitors. And if you get your mix perfect, it's like you're not singing at all. Yes. And so, like, I've, I'm very picky in particular with my mix, but it lends me to do my job without over-singing. So it's really easy for me to do the tech run full out and then two performances because it's, it's not um, anything that's causing any fatigue or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I tend to do it a little, a little more full. Yes. Sometimes yes. a little more full out than you'll get a show, just because I'm experimenting yes. and seeing what my limits are. Yes, and with the tech runs, they generally how long would they go for? They're supposed they're supposed to be about the the, the block should be about show. two hours, but the tech run should be the length of the show. Um, obviously with all the technology, especially on board this vessel, there's room for error. Mm. And, uh, a lot of times it can take a, a while to get something to corroborate. Um, so we have a, uh, a thing on board called SQM and it's a policy that keeps everything in a time frame for all the departments, not just entertainment, but specifically to ours, there's a time that we have to finish the tech run by because we need a two and a half hour rest period before our call time. 
So um, usually our managers are good at keeping that up to par. If not, our dance captain will make sure that it's instilled. But particularly with this cast, we're all veterans, so we're quick to say, hey, we're going past, we need our rest. Because it's yes. important. Yeah. Yes, because uh, I did sit in on a tech run where so many things went wrong with, with the technology, not with the cast, yeah. but with production and technology. And that was a long afternoon for all of you. And then you had to come back and do the shows. But that's not something that happens very often. Um, especially on the older class of ships because they don't have that technology. Um, for, for edge class, it's even worse because they've gotten rid of the traditional stage. So it's about almost in the round. It's about 320 uh, degrees. So there's this massive LED screen that's made up of five panels that can move independently or together with each other. And so when they fault, we don't have like wings to run off stage mm. through like you would in a traditional theater. So when we can't get on or off stage if they don't want to move. And sometimes they can be a little testy when they reset them and they're like, we're good to go and it'll move an inch and then stop again. And that's what we call a, a fault or an error in the system. Um, so that's what can eat up time. Um, and as frustrating as it can be, uh, it's, it's really nice. It's a nice element of technology to have because as you've seen in the shows, it can really transform the theater and, and oh. turn it into a, a different world. It's stunning. Yes, yes. I've never experienced anything like it. And the shows are just breathtaking in terms of all that technology, the, the sound, the lighting. And I loved in Stage Door having the London, was it Palladium Orchestra mm-hmm. playing? There were what, 50 musicians in the orchestra, it was just, wow, it was wow, that's all I can say, yeah, and then, so you've been working now for the company for a few years, both of you, is there anything that you feel the company can do better to support artists on the ship? Uh, yeah, I think they can they can provide a lot more in terms of things that would lend to uh, vocal health. Um, they could provide humidifiers for our cabins, so that way we don't have to travel across the world trying to either find a humidifier. I could not find one in Australia. It was the hardest thing. It, it was crazy. When I did Australia, I went really? everywhere to find one, and I had to go to an electronics store specifically to find one. Maybe it's because I wanted one that had a large, like, gallon tank to it so I could have it on all night as I slept. But mm-hmm. our rooms, we, we're not in rooms that we can turn the AC off in. Yes. Um, so that's kind of hard for us because we're constantly taking in artificial air. Um, there's a- AC everywhere we go. Even the dressing room that we're in now, you can't turn the air off in here. Um, but, you know, if they could provide things that would help better food, for us would be a milestone. Mm-hmm. But food, um, humidifiers, um, just even simple things like um, vocal zone or, yeah. or um, certain teas. Like yeah. I, I love, I don't know if you have the brand um, 
throw coat tea in. I've heard of it. Too. Yeah, it has. It's gross, oh but it it has slippery <laughs> elm in it. Um, that's the main ingredient, and it's really great. Um, it's soothing. Um, I don't particularly drink tea before I have to sing, but like if I need it to, you know, pre- preventative things, they could mm-hmm. provide on board. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be better, um, and also more money. Um, I say that because this is a big commitment. You give up your life to come here. It's great to travel and it's a great experience, but at the same time, you know, I've gone home after doing five contracts back to back and I realized my parents aren't immortal. Like I've seen they've aged with me being away and I come back and I, I look at them and I'm like, I've missed out on a lot. I didn't get to see like my nephew grow up. I didn't get to go to his graduation. You miss a lot of things. Um, but also at the same time, it's very demanding, vocally and physically. Yes. yes. So I think we need to get to a place where we pay for what they get. Um, I, I'm very proud of the work we've done on board here. Um, a little, you should be. A little fact, we've scored above the target, 30 points above the target uh, for ratings by the guests. And it's wow. the highest ratings they've ever had mm. in the history of... And I'm not surprised at all. Thank you. I'm not either. I'm so proud to be a part of this experience. And as I said, I was a swing. So once the person that was originally doing this track resigned, I didn't have to think twice about joining. It was a chance for me to work with your daughter again and with people that I've known for years but never got to be in the same cast with. So that in itself was the main reason but I think they could pay for what they get and I'll let you in on another little secret based off of the ratings if the theater cast and the entertainment program is rated number one in the fleet the cruise director gets a bonus I don't even want to comment on that <laughs> so <laughs> I am I have no comment on that one because I may say something. Yeah, well, and that's <laughs> later. When I found that out, I was like, um, "No, we should all get a little yeah. more." I that, don't know how it makes works, but no sense. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That makes but absolutely no sense because one that that person did not hire you or put the team together, did not rehearse you, did not have any input in the creative process does not get up and stand beside you every night or warm you up or cool you you down. They don't have anything to do with your show other than an introduction and scheduling. Yeah, which is wild, but even more so than singers getting paid more, I'm the biggest advocate dancers Mm. need to be paid more. especially with these shows, but in general, it's so physically demanding and they're the first to be required to do more. Yes. The first. And I think it's shocking the pay difference between a singer and a dancer. I understand why there is a pay difference, multiple reasons, like there being more dancers to a singer. So there's more money to play with when you are casting singers. Also the requirement and the, the stress on a singer to, because when we go out, we have to be able to captivate an audience, command the stage all on our own. And if a dancer misses a bit of choreography, it may or may not be noticeable, but if we crack 
or if we are slightly off, the audience will immediately disengage with us and yes. think that we are not, yes. you know, of, of a certain caliber. Um, but the, the paid difference between what we get paid as artists needs to change. Mm. Um, dancers need to be paid more. They should be respected more to be paid more because they are literally, you know, doing something so demanding on their bodies that it, it, it shortens their career. Mm the way they work here, and they deserve to be paid more, in my yes. opinion. Yes. Kayla, as a female, okay. is there a gender bias on the oh, ship in terms of pay? And because I know there is with the dancers and yes. and, yeah. and that and when I, I I'm not targeting celebrity, mm-hmm. I they are just one of many, many, many cruise ship companies. But I know that the males are paid more than the females. Is that a thing? Well, for it, singers, I well, I don't talk about how we never really talked about how much we get paid. But no, and that's I know, yeah, yeah. However, amongst ourselves, yeah, yeah. But um, so I don't know about pay wise, but treatment wise, it's definitely there's definitely a big difference. Um, not only. Um, like within entertainment, but even around the ship, and especially around the ship, um, I, is that by the crew or guests or both? Really both, um, but mainly for me, I've, I've noticed it a lot with the crew. Um, we get treated differently. It, it sometimes it, it's in a negative way, of course, and then a lot of times it's strangely in a positive way. Like if we want to go to a dinner and you're like, oh, you wear your pretty dress, and then maybe they'll let you in for dinner. But, um, but <laughs> that's not. That's <laughs> however, however, <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, I guess negatively speaking, um, there's a lot of quote unquote old fashioned. Um, guys who work here, you know, it could be on the safety team and they see you and they they question you more because they don't think that you know uh, about all of the the safety stuff or um, like little things like that and they'll people will come up to you comment, oh you shouldn't be eating that. You're gonna you're gonna gain weight. Oh you yeah. That happens guests and crew. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's happened to me many times. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, I know with the female dancers, and I, I don't know if it was male dancers, but they used to be weighed. Yes, um, as well. Yeah. Every fortnight, they were put on the scales. That that doesn't happen on this ship. Uh, the interesting thing about that: so men can get away with gaining weight. I've seen it um, within my own contracts. Um, both sides. My issues, like I like to trade in the gym a lot, so I've been um, kind of slapped on the wrist in the creation process because they built costumes based off of what they measured me and came back a month later and the costumes didn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, they still don't fit, but they are okay with it because I'm putting on muscle and all this stuff. But if a woman fluctuates in their weight, they tend to be quick to say something about it oh, yes. because it's like, well, you're not going to fit your costume. Um, actually speaking about this, I know a, a young lady that was recently told by the casting team that she needed to lose weight um, if she wanted another contract because the costumes may or may not fit her. 
Right. And I felt that that's unacceptable because if we want to champion diversity as a brand here, then we need to make sure that we have the ability to really be diverse. And if that requires, uh, you know, fixing the costumes or buying new costumes or making new costumes, no one should ever feel that they're not the right size. Um, but I don't ever see them saying that to men. Mm. Um, in regards to pay, I feel like, and this is a very rare situation, um, but because I am a black male, which is harder for them to find in cast, I've been able to negotiate for more money um, because I know that I am something that they need at the company. Right. Um, so when yes. they asked me to come back after I, I left for a bit after my third contract and they asked me to come back, I knew that I the ball was in my court and I was going to ask for more money. And that set me up to be where I'm at, but because I was a black male and I knew that they needed it. Mm. Uh, boys get paid more in general. Male dancers will get paid more male acrobats because they're typically harder to find. That is true. But at the same but, time, yes. you need, we, as I said, you need to be paid for your craft and, and what you provide. Mm. And, okay, can we touch upon you being black in terms of inclusivity? How are we faring? How's the ship faring in terms of all of that? Have you ever felt that you didn't have a voice, you weren't accepted, or is that not an issue? In terms of being black in the entertainment industry, I've felt that a lot of things have been performative. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement that you know sparked the rebirthing of it during yes. the pandemic, George Floyd. Yes. Um, it, because we cannot hide anything in this day and age. Everybody has a camera in their hand. Um, it was an opportunity for, you know, companies to make changes that are systemically ingrained into how they operate. Um, I was a little ashamed that celebrity didn't come out and say Black Lives Matter um, just because not just for the entertainers, but they hire so many black employees from around the world um, that come from third world countries or from, you know, you know, thriving nations. So I felt like it was important because they champion that they are inclusive and all this stuff. Um, I mean, and it goes past the color of your skin. It, it goes down to the LGBTQIA community. Um, they, they say that they support these groups of people, but when you get on board, you don't see much of it. Um, but they do advertise. They the advertise it. Oh, yeah, they advertise it. I and see the advertising. That's, that's yeah. where it comes yeah. in performative to me. Yes. Like, I feel like with me working here as a black man, I have had to master the uh, skill of code switching. So I will speak differently to guests and to other colleagues than I would around other black people just because I don't want to be held to a stereotypical um, idea of who I am. So I code switch. So when I speak to Kayla, sometimes you'll hear me like, Kayla, girl, and all that stuff. But I would never speak to a guest that way because they, they've made comments in the past about, you know, who I am, I've been called everything from 
you know, the boy with nappy hair to a boy, uh, referred to as boy, or uh, uh, guests have, not me in particular, but guests have called other performers, uh, other colleagues of mine, the N-word. Um, so it, it does need change, and that stems from the top, and it requires the company really saying, this is what we stand for, and actually doing it. Not just saying it because they want to sell a cruise. Mm -hmm. And that, that extends to the industry in general, not just celebrity. All the other cruise lines, the movie industry, the, the you know, TV, everything. Yeah. Do you have any comments on that, Kayla? <sighs> oh, I, I don't even know. I, I feel like Dom has said everything. Yes. But, yeah, I feel very similarly. Um, we, I'm, before this contract, I've never met Dom. Fun, fun, fun little story for you. I never met him, but, uh, in person, but I met him during the Black Lives Matter movement because we all, we joined a group of all of the black employees in the entertainment, um, singers, dancers, and we, we wanted to make change. And, uh, he really inspired me and to, to try and make change for the company as well. And I, I don't know, unfortunately, I don't really know that I can't really say that much has come out of that for the company's sake. Um, we tried to tell them you need to cast people based off of their, t based off of their voice types mm -hmm. and they're like, in, instead of how they look and, and they say, okay, okay. And then they end up doing the exact opposite. Um, so it, 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 it hurts me <laughs> thinking about how hard we pushed for change and, it hasn't really been much change. That's really so sad to hear. So, but you know, and I'm, this is not an excuse for the company, but it's it is everywhere, isn't it? I mean, it's in my community as well, in the teaching voice community. We can all do so much better. Everybody can do so much better. But it has to start somewhere, and it's not just just about tokenism. Or, or you called it performant. performative. Performative. Yeah, performative actions. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. I think that was the biggest thing. Uh, like as she said, we never got the chance to work together, and it's because they wanted to make sure they had diversity on every ship within mm. their cast. So of the black performers that they did hire, they sprinkled them throughout the fleet. Yes. So in this big group, I've known all these artists, but never gotten the chance to share the stage with them. I've been in casts where I'm the only black person in the cast, and I've been in casts where I'm one of five, and that's really rare. Uh, this is the first time they've opened a vessel, to my knowledge, uh, with three black lead vocalists. Um, and even so, that being said, we're mixed race vocalists as well, so we're of the fairer skin tone um, in, compar in comparison to some other singers that may be, you know, richer skin tones. but. For me, um, seeing the company, uh, they have a black casting director and he set up some, sorry, he set up some video chats and we did some Zoom calls with all of us and hearing everybody's stories and hearing how I've experienced similar things or stuff like that was really shocking. Um, and it really inspired me and a bunch of us to get together and, and say what could be done for change and, uh, you know, like uh, that 
it was all through Facebook, and I'd never met Kayla before. I'd only seen videos of her performing. Yes. Um, but we ended up writing an open letter to the CEO about what could be done, and we shared testimonies with her and personal accounts, and uh, she did respond, and it, it was a great response, and they started to make the step. For me, it's a step in the right direction, but I need more than just a step. And I think if it, we try our best not to forget that these things are still happening, then we can continue moving forward. Um, so far, this contract I haven't seen, people are more mindful of not using microaggressions or saying things that they shouldn't say. I've had people actually ask to touch my hair before guests used to just touch my hair if it was down or yeah and it was always led by oh your hair is so beautiful and as much as that's appreciated I'm not a pet on display like you don't just I would never come up and touch someone else's hair or invade their personal space no. um, so th there has been those steps toward change and that's because of what's gone on in the world and people are more educated in what's acceptable and and also what's you know hurtful in, in the sense of how we say things and what we say. Um, but as a company, I, I believe that not only Celebrity, but all the other cruise lines, I don't think many of them did come out and say Black Lives Matter. Um, but we all need to take that step to making sure that if we want to champion these groups of people um, that may be on the oppressed side of the world, then we actually do it not just say that we do to yeah. sell a cruise. Yeah. Both of you are finishing up at the end of this contract. You're going on to other things. And what you've just said, I'm not stopping the conversation no. there. My question is, if you're not here to lead the campaign, what advice would you then give to other performers who are coming to the ship who are black or what coloured skin tone, what would you say to those performers? What advice would you give to them? Um, I would say for them, especially from my experience, um, not to be afraid to live in their authentic truth, um, to use their voice. Don't be afraid if you sound a little more um, country because you're from the South or you sound a little more black to someone. Don't be afraid of that. Uh, I think it's time that we stop pretending that we're colorblind and, and actually see. I want you to see my blackness and acknowledge that and see the beauty in it and use that to your advantage, you know? Um, so I don't Negotiate want... Negotiate for more pay. Exactly. Well, not, yeah, not only yes. that, but like yes, yeah. that was me it, being sarcastic. No, no, because I, 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 I because, listen. I agree with you. I'm getting the check. Um, but no, honestly, though, like, don't be afraid to know your worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I knew what my worth was because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm one of few black men here. I'm one of few black tenors here. I know my worth. I know what I bring to the table. I know what I feel like I should be paid. So absolutely that, people shouldn't be afraid because all they can do is say no. But I think to carry the torch going forward, you cannot be afraid to live in your truth 
regardless if you're black, white, Asian, or Hispanic, or Latino, you just have to be authentically you. And when someone tries to challenge that, speak up for yourself. Mm. Don't be afraid or think that you're going to lose your job. Because if you do lose your job, first of all, that's going to be an HR situation. And it'll, you know, go way further than that. But if it is a problem, you don't need to be there. Life is so short that if you're unhappy or if you're not being valued in the way that you expect to be valued, go somewhere else and yes. find, your, find your happiness. Find your tribe. Find your people. 100%. Find those yeah. who love and accept you for who you are. Yeah. What about you, Kayla? Do you have advice? Yeah, Even from advice. a female <laughs> perspective or the same perspective? Yeah, I mean, good advice in general, I think, is to find like you said, find your tribe and don't be afraid to have friends outside of the entertainment because it is such a bubble. And if you are black, you're going to be one of very few. So I say go out, make make more friends, you know, and, and don't be afraid to be yourself like Dom said. So in finishing up, what are you doing next, Kayla? Oh... Well, my goal is, after this, go to New York City, audition, live the land life. That is what I want to do, because I have not really had that in, since I started working here, so I'm excited for that. So are you looking to go into musical theater? Yes. Yes? Yes. So that is the plan. I would love to do a tour, Broadway, that, that would be amazing, um, some regional theater, anything like that. And what about you, Dom? So going on from here, I'm going to focus on uh, doing, I have a self-produced show um, called A Song For You, and it's a, it's a love letter to the black male icon. So it's called A Song For You. It's a, it's a love letter to the black male icon, and it just celebrates all these incredible artists that have paved the way for me to stand on stage and share my gift with the world. Um, so I'm focusing on that, but I want to um, definitely pursue other things and be on land like Kayla said and you know I hope to work with her again in the future work with a lot of these people that I've I've come across within this cast but you know I mean how amazing would it be to say one day that we both ended up at the same Broadway show or or tour well you might have Jacob in the show too because he's he's auditioning for musical theater in New York and I promised Jacob that I would come and watch his show, that I will be there in the audience and I make you the same promise. If you guys get into Broadway or in a, in a production, I will be there to watch you. I want to wish you both all the very best in the future. I wish you were staying. I'm staying for another nine nights. You've been a joy and it's been a privilege and an honour getting to know you and I appreciate your candidness in this interview. You shared your authentic truth. You've been open and honest. And I hope that our listeners will also learn from this episode as well. And thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A Voice and Beyond. I hope you enjoyed it as now is an important time for you to invest in your own self-care, personal growth and education. 
use every day as an opportunity to learn and to grow so you can show up feeling empowered and ready to live your best life. If you know someone who will also be inspired by this episode, please be sure to copy and paste the link and share it with them. Or share it on social media and use the hashtag A Voice and Beyond. I promise you, I am committed to bringing you more inspiration and conversations just like this one every week. And if you would like to help me, please rate and review this podcast and cheer me on by clicking the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts right now. I would also love to know what it is that you most enjoyed about this episode and what was your biggest takeaway. Please take care and I look forward to your company next time on the next episode of A Voice and Beyond.